Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, you like me. You really, really like me. I mean, don't you? Tonight, our guest, Dr. Mark Leary, explains why we seek approval so avidly and why rejection stings so much. What causes some people to have higher self-esteem than others? Well, he invented the sociometer theory to explain that phenomenon. I think you like me. You can go on Twitter and let me know, at Adam Felber. I mean, I'm here every week. Plus, Tony Anita Hull has more of your show descriptions. I'm sure you like me, don't you? I mean, my chicken parm will make you cry. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to keep this show's conversational self-esteem at an acceptable level on the Rosenberg self-esteem scale by ensuring we stay on topic. And now, please welcome the woman who scatters irrelevancy to the 16 corners of the Myers-Briggs personality test, Paula Poundstone! Hey, Adam! And thanks to tonight's house band, nobody, Mark DeFloria on the drums. He was born and raised in Philadelphia, but now lives in Florence, Italy. Thank you, Mark, so much for joining us. Thanks, Mark. Um, Adam, can you hear those ducks? Uh, I hear quacking, Paula, so I can assume that those are ducks. They are ducks. I get up this morning, and the, the pod puppy, the once pod puppy, who's now a giant dog, has become... The prank puppy. She put all these ducks in my room, and it is an absolute mess in here. And well, it's, uh, it's really loud, Paula. It's a lot of loud quacking. I would ask you, how do you know the pod puppy did this? It's just I, I'm isolated. There's no one else who could. have. She's just been doing stuff lately. You know, she she put all these ducks. Enough, enough ducks. Oh my god. Oh, so it's weird. I, I don't, they're, and they're all over everything. You know, they they look so great when you're feeding them bread. And I got I got no fucking bread anymore. They've raided the pantry. I I came in uh, earlier today, and there were just ducks all over. Uh, stop it! Stop it! And they, you know, they bite. They actually do bite. It looks so cute at first, and then yeah. One of them yeah, just no, they, they left. don't have teeth, but they, they definitely bite. I mean, their beaks can be pretty sharp, too. I'm just... No, they I'm, just left a big fucking beak bike right there on the fatty part of my uh, shin. Um, wow. And I don't think well, you're supposed to, to have deal a, with, Paula. Fatty, a fatty part. So, other than ducks, I'll tell you what I've been doing this week. Okay. I have been... Uh, I, am, I have started a movement to weaponize the lyrics to the song Candyman. Weaponize. Uh, yeah. 
the classic yeah. Candyman from uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The the, the 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 hit version I think was by Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, yeah. How are you going to weaponize those lyrics? So I'll show. All right, I'll show you. So say something insulting to me. Go ahead. Paula, you sound like a duck. <laughs> dip it, dip it in some dew, Adam. Oh, so you, you see what I just? Wow. Did you hear? Yeah. The the ducks kind of responded to that. Yeah, they like that. Did you hear that. them get louder right then? Yeah. 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 Let's try another. Um, Do you have more? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, Paula. Did you get dressed in the dark? Covered in chocolate and a miracle or two, Adam. Hey, hey, the ducks kind of uh, like this. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that one was quite as strong as the last one, but your, your um, aquatic the friends seem to feel it. differently. Yeah. Who can take a sunrise? Hey, did you hear him? I did. I did. But I, I don't think... I don't think Who Can Take a Sunrise is that strong a comeback, to be honest with it, you. It doesn't matter. The ducks loved it. Thank well, you, ducks. Well, the ducks love it. Yeah. 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 Wow. That, you know what? I, I At first, I thought Mo was trying to mess with me, but now I realize she's found, you know, it's been, I've been isolated, and I'm a comic, and it's hard to make jokes and have nobody here to laugh, but uh, boy, if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck... Did you hear that? They love that. They love that. This is great. Yeah. Well, that's wow. kind of pandering, isn't it? Doesn't matter to me. I don't. I, I don't mean, mind. You're, you're pandering to your duck audience if you're telling duck jokes. It's just a. It's a little beneath you, Paula. Oh, I don't. I don't think. I don't think it is. Uh, uh, I, I. I think. Uh, I, you know, I want to be liked. What can I say? By any species. Well, no, no, no. We all do. And that's uh, that's one of the reasons why we have this uh, guest on the show this week. Yeah. So you know what? I always feel accepted when people respond to my vocabulary song. So I have a word, Adam. You do? I do. Uh... They love oh. my glockenspiel. Oh, they like your glock playing. <laughs> I didn't wow, think you I really have found your ducks. audience. Yeah. Um, so here's this week's word, Adam. It's quotidian. It's an adjective that means happening every day, daily. Uh, the second use is ordinary. Uh, I'll use it in a sentence. Uh, uh, corrupt and undemocratic acts from Trump have become quotidian throughout his presidency. I love this word, and I hope to make it mine. So you know what I'm going to do, Adam? I'm going to put it I, in. Uh, can I my... guess? Are you going to put it in your vocabulary song, Paula? I am. Oh, the ducks loved that, Adam. They loved it when you guessed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Here's the... Uh, uh, this week's word is quotidian. It's an adjective that means happening every day, daily, or ordinary, like a mainer eating a blueberry. Last week's word was gaucherie. It's a noun that means awkward or unsophisticated ways. I haven't used a napkin in days. The week before that, we had disputatious. It's an adjective that means fond of or causing heated arguments. Fuck you, I don't want your two cents. Going back before that, we had 
Inveigle, it's a verb that means persuade someone to do something by deception or flattery. I love you, Mom. Will you buy me a new battery? Thank you, ducks. And not long ago, we had revivify. It's a verb that means give new life or strength to someone or something. It happens when you eat a ring ding. Let's never forget gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, 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 but I do, I do. The Dutch yeah. fucking wow. love my vocabulary yeah. song. Fantastic. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Adam, answer the phone. Wait, really? Okay. I had yeah. other things to do, but I will. No, answer uh, the phone. I'd really rather not, Paulo. I want to yeah, get to well, saying hi to Tony By the way, while the phone is ringing, I want to remind the listeners that we do still have the 100th caller contest going. Uh, the person us. who makes the 100th call uh, can receive any any item they want from Roger Federer's appliance store and the chance to hang out with Adam after the game. Adam, answer the phone. Oh, Jesus. Hello? Hey, Adam. Uh, no, Mike, you're not the hundredth caller, although, oh, thank the Lord, shit. it is coming to an end soon. What's um, you're caller next? number 85. Oh, man, fuck, I was so close. I was only like 20 away. Uh, Adam, 15, I, I, did you hear that word, quotidian? Did you hear that? Yes, I did, Mike. Yeah, quotidian, get it? Titty? Did, did you hear that? What? No. Titty, titty was no. in that word, Adam. Well, actually, it's a T-I-D, I think. Adams. And finally, Paul Pouncehill said something funny. That's a great fucking word. That's a great word. All right, I'll call back. What? What? That was it, Mike? <laughs> I gotta go, Adam. I gotta go. You, yeah, you called I, to I, say I, you heard Paula say titty? Yeah, that's so fucking funny. Oh, my God. Yeah, finally, that bitch said something funny. Man. Hey, I, hey, 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 Mike. We don't talk like that, remember? Yeah. Yeah, but we do, Adam. Hey, the ducks love that. Hey, yeah. hey the ducks love it when I call Paul Pouncer a bitch. All right, Adam. Quotidian, oh, man. Quotidian. Get it? Get it? No. No, I don't. All right. It's good talking to you, man. Can't, can't wait to hang out with you after the show. It won't happen. Bye, Mike. Bye, Adam. Take care, man. Uh, the ducks loved him. The, yeah. the, the ducks are going nuts in here. All right, ducks, settle, settle down. Yeah. I don't really well, know. While, while you're settling your ducks, and I don't know how to. I don't know how. I don't even. I haven't trained these ducks. I don't know how to settle a duck tell to, down. Tell them to settle down. We got to say hello to our to our cast of characters as we do every week. Uh, we're I just want go to say one thing to. I want to say one thing to Mike Boom Boom Bonifet. Uh, wrap that? it in a sigh, Mike. What? Wrap it, wrap it in a sigh. See, that's from, that's from Candyman, Adam. Oh, oh wow! You told him, Paula. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the, the ducks, ducks liked it anyway. The ducks, the ducks went nuts. Wrap it in a sigh, ducks. Uh, yeah, well, all right, so, uh, so let's. You found your audience. Yeah, I think so I did. I want to go around the horn and say hello to the other people here from all of because there are other people here. Um, one of those, of course, is your manager, um, my friend. Uh, producer of this show, Captain Crinkle, Bonnie Burns. How the heck are you? 
Hi, Adam. Hi, Paula. I'm good. Hey, Bonnie Burnt. Yeah, it's good to talk to you, hear your voices. Um, well, here's what I've discovered. I have gray hair. <laughs> well, Bonnie, you've, you've had gray hair since I've known you. Yeah, but now it's, like, really visible. Like, past the, you put the baseball cap on, so people can't really see you have gray hair. Now it's, like, past where the baseball cap would cover. Wait, wow. Bonnie, are you saying that, that you were coloring your hair before the lockdown? Oh, really, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> Just asking. Uh, yeah, that would be true. It's really like, okay. I look in the mirror and I'm just like, okay, you know how like you do that thing where you go, like, say maybe you've gained a lot of weight or something, you walk by a mirror and you look in the other direction? That's the point yeah. I'm at now with the, uh, with the, with the hair thing. Yeah, no. But Bonnie, let me help you out. When Adam said, so you mean you dyed your hair? Yeah. Try this. Try, try, try saying to Adam, because he mixes it with love. See ya. Oh, I like it. You know, I'm not sure th- that positivity is capable of coming out of my mouth. But I'll try it. Well, no, see, <laughs> I've, I've weaponized. No, no, Paula I've means weaponized. it as a weapon. I've yeah, weaponized the word. It. So it's attitude. Okay. You have to say it with the right attitude. So say, because he mixes it with love. But, you know, with daggers. Okay. Adam, uh, give it to me again. Bonnie, are you saying that you've colored your hair before this lockdown? Because he mixes it with love. It makes the world go round. No, 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 no. That's not the right. Wrong attitude and wrong lyrics, Bonnie. Really? You don't do it. You don't do it singing. And he doesn't do make it... the world go round. He makes the world taste good. Oh. <laughs> God okay, damn it, Bonnie. Do it Bonnie. once more. Do it once more. I got it. Okay. Oh. So, Bonnie, were you coloring your hair before the lockdown? What was the phrase? <laughs> here, here, Bonnie, I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase it so it works a little better. Here we go. Ready? I got, it, I got it. Okay. No, no, no. All right, all right. I'm I'm gonna totally rephrase it and we'll, and we'll be ready for it this time. Here we go. Hey, in Studio City, Tony Anita Hull, how you doing? <laughs> that wasn't fair. <laughs> Give me one more crack at it. Give me one more crack. All right. Yeah, go ahead, Adam. Okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, Bonnie, are you saying you colored your hair before the lockdown? Because he mixes... No, wait. Because he mixes <laughs> it with love. God damn it, Bonnie. Okay. How's okay, that? you know what, though? This is really this is really making me appreciate something that Bonnie did once. Given the difficulty she's had weaponizing the phrase because he mixes it with love. Yes. How the yes. fuck she got the Butterfinger song up on iTunes is a goddamn miracle. Yeah. Tony Anita yeah. Hall, don't think that you've escaped unscathed. you got to tell us what's up. Uh, so we had an earthquake last week. A shelving yeah. unit fell out of my wall, broke two no. bobbleheads, and those bobbleheads made the news. What? What, what? No. Yeah, they, the local news station here in L.A. Uh, showed the pictures of the bobbleheads with their broken heads and gave wait, me so photo wait, had cred. You, had you, how did they know about it, Tony? Did you call the police? when? <laughs> did you call the news when your bobbleheads broke? Because alarmist might be a good vocabulary word. <laughs> No, I 
have a friend who works at CBS, and they were looking for news stories related to the earthquake. And the bobbleheads were newsworthy, I guess. Okay, wow. Um, yeah, there's First, a lot to unpack here. Tony, um, what were they bobbleheads of? Um, one was John Hamm, and the other was the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> There's well, that's gotta what be a did joke it. about that. Somewhere. It wasn't yeah. the John Hamm one. It was the Pope one. That's the one that they came with the news cameras for. Exactly. <laughs> so what so the, so Tony explained. So the news cameras came in and you were like the and you were like, the bobbleheads are over there. The bobbleheads are over there. And then they went over and they filmed your damaged bobbleheads? <laughs> no, I only wish that happened. No, I I just took pictures and sent them into the news. And the, the oh. news story's very funny because they're very serious about the bobbleheads. I'll post well, it the on the Facebook page. Yeah, it was very, yeah. very serious news. Well, let me ask you this. Have you heard from FEMA yet? <laughs> yeah, you're probably going to get some kind of compensation. <laughs> you two Hold soak on. it in the sun. Soak it in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the ducks loved that um yeah the ducks, ducks bonnie, were very amused by that bonnie yeah. did you hear did you hear how tony weaponized the Candyman lyric no <laughs> wow <laughs> bonnie were you listening at all or were you doing something else uh no, I was listening, but I wrote down notes for the show tonight. Well, I was did. listening. What did you write down? Um, I never got a chance to put it down, and now I forget what I was going to say. Oh, oh, I know. <laughs> I know what it was. I know what it was. I know what it was. It was to okay. see if we could get a clip of the report they made on the news, and we could play it on another show. Oh. You know, oh. if if the news is actually covering Tony's bobblehead dolls breaking, then <laughs> then this whole show is a fucking documentary. We're gonna, my house is gonna be crawling with news cameras when they find out about these ducks. Quiet down, you ducks, and stop. Get your beak off me. When they find out about these ducks, was one it? of those ducks getting fresh? They just—they, you know, I don't—I don't shave my legs anymore, and and this one duck, it keeps taking its beak and pulling at my leg hairs, um, oh. which they don't have a lot of sense of personal space, ducks. No, they don't seem to. Plus, Mo really packed them in here. But you know what? Animal Planet's <laughs> yeah. gonna be here. CBS is gonna be. I mean, this is big LA news. If breaking your bobblehead dolls <laughs> during the earthquake, and we don't even really know that those broke during the... Wasn't the earthquake like a two-point something? No, it was a, it was like a four-point something. And, and, Paula, you're sounding a little bit jealous. Like, Tony made the news with her bobbleheads, and now you've got to ha- compete with ducks, and I think that's a little sad. No, I, I... No, the ducks were here before the bobblehead story. A, and by the way, Adam, dip it in some <laughs> dew. Um, oh! Wow. <laughs> Wow, that I have to say, dip it in some dew turns out to be the best of the weaponized phrases from the Candyman. Oh, really? Who can take a rainbow? Um, yeah, not as good. Not as good. <laughs> <laughs> you 
know, coming up, Somerset Mon wrote, Man's desire for the approval of his fellows is so strong, his dread of their censure so violent, that he himself has brought his enemy conscience within his gates, and it keeps watch over him, vigilant always in the interests of its master to crush any half-formed desire to break away from the herd. Yipe. Dr. Mark Leary is here to explain why we seek approval and why our feelings can get hurt. Can you break away from the herd? That's coming up on When We Return to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i, I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. <laughs> Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. You can get washable silk tops. You can get 14-karat uh, gold jewelry and, like, all these accessories. When sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. 
And don't think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Teddy Roosevelt said, there's sticky stuff on the back of my pants. Hmm, must have sat in something. <laughs> Thank you, house band Mark DeFloria. That sounded fantastic. Thanks, Mark. Adam, Adam, yeah. I, I kind of like these ducks. They're really giving me a sense of approval. How weird is that? Very. Why, why do I respond to the approval of ducks? Well, I think it might have something to do with needing the approval of people in general, right? And, and the ducks are yeah, just a substitute. but they're not people. They're ducks. Well, these are isolated times, Paula. You're all alone in that house with nothing but a couple of dogs and uh, 13 cats. You know, maybe the pets are a surrogate for people's approval right now. Might might, might be. Again, I just want to thank my dog, Mo, uh, who I thought was being mean to me, but it turns out nothing but kindness to bring me these ducks. Well, I don't think Mo had any way of foreseeing that those ducks would like you. But speaking of liking people and needing support, we have someone on the phone who can walk us through why approval is so important to human beings and why our feelings are hurt so easily. Dr. Mark Leary is well known for developing the sociometer theory, an interpersonal explanation for variations in self-esteem within individuals. He is the author of 14 books and is the Garanzik Professor of Psychology and Neuroscience at Duke University. Please welcome Dr. Mark Leary. Thank you so much for being here, Mark. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for inviting me. All right, so let's let's start uh, start with the basics. Is there an evolutionary benefit for wanting approval? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, human beings are a pretty pathetic and vulnerable animal. We don't have sharp teeth or sharp claws. We can't run fast. We can't fly. We can't jump from one tree to the other. You're depressing me. Uh, well, <laughs> you're hurting my feelings, frankly, Mark. So we're not going to do very well out there in the wild on our own, like a lot of animals can. So we have to live in groups, supportive groups of people who accept us and, and, and provide the kind of support and nurturance and help when we need it. And so that's why we need approval, because if we get kicked out of the group, if we're not fully accepted. Uh, we're, we're going to be out there on the plains of Africa during evolutionary history, and we're not going to make it. Damn it. So what is so that the evolutionary value then of having one's feelings hurt? Is that is it a corrective behavior or something? There's a couple of things. One is it's a warning signal that when your okay. feelings are hurt, it indicates that other people are not approving of you and are not valuing you as much as you would like them to. And then it's also a motivator. We, we hate having our feelings hurt. Nobody wants to have their feelings hurt. So we behave in ways that promote acceptance and belonging so we can avoid getting our feelings hurt. And so and we stay in the oh. good graces of other people. Except it's a little for, bit like physical pain. I love physical pain. Well, <laughs> well you should. I mean, because <laughs> if we didn't have the capacity for physical pain, you know, we would damage our physical body terribly and we wouldn't care. It's the same thing with social pain. If we couldn't have hurt feelings, we would behave in all kinds of awful ways and get rejected and not care. And that would be really bad for our well-being. Yeah. 
Well, you should see the look on the ducks' faces right now. They <laughs> stunned, huh? Yeah, this idea of uh, being separate in any way is clearly uh, makes no sense to ducks. Um, what, now, so how does this happen, you know, in a physiological way? When we get our feelings hurt, does something happen in our brain? Because, I mean, when it happens to me, I feel a physical feeling. It hurts. That's the interesting thing about hurt feelings. And it hurts in a very poignant way that's different from how other emotions hurt. Now, obviously, when we experience any emotion, there's something going on in the brain. And mm -hmm. the two regions, I, I'm not a neuroscientist, so I don't study the brain itself. I study social behavior and emotion more as they play out in everyday life. But the two parts of the brain that are most active when people are being rejected is something called the anterior cingulate cortex, which processes pain signals, particularly emotional reactions to pain. Because when we feel pain, it's not just like a sharp stabbing injury to our foot. We also have this gnawing, awful, distressed feeling. And when our feelings are hurt, that part of the brain that gives us this gnawing, oh, make this pain go away feeling is, is activated. The other part is a part of the brain that's involved in social bonding, interestingly, uh, that activates when people feel accepted, when animals are being taken care of by other animals. And it reacts to a threat of rejection or exclusion by other animals. So you've got part of the brain that's dealing with pain and part of the brain that's dealing with social connections and social bonding. And those are the two things that are usually going on when we feel hurt feelings. So Mark, are you immune to that because you know about it? No, not, <laughs> not, not any more than I'm, I'm immune to eating too much, even though I know that in a modern society, we eat more than evolution prepared us to, no. No. <laughs> and you wouldn't want to be immune. I mean, people don't like to have their feelings hurt, but thank goodness that you have them hurt. You would really behave in ways that ruined your life if you weren't concerned about rejection and disapproval and having your feelings hurt. Now, some people are hurt more than they should be, maybe, but it's, it's essential. Yeah. Why are there so many different feelings involved in this? I mean, like when I eat a piece of pizza, it's a pretty uncomplicated good feeling. But when people get their feelings hurt, there's there's anger, there's sadness, there's anxiety. Um, it's a it's a gallimaufry of feelings. And, and so what is uh, what's it what goes into that? Why isn't it just a simple signal from your brain to straighten up? <laughs> That's a great question. The situations in which we're rejected are really complex in the sense that there's more going on than the mere sense of disapproval or devaluation. That's what hurt is. Hurt is the rejection emotion. It's the sense of not feeling like other people value their relationship with you as much as you would like. But on mm -hmm. top of that, rejection experiences can carry other things. So for example, sadness. People often are sad when their feelings are hurt. Well, yeah. sadness is a reaction to loss of some kind, whether it's a loss of a person or a loss of a relationship or a loss of a, an important object. So if your feelings are hurt by a rejection in which you have now lost a relationship or lost a potential relationship, you'll not only really feel hurt, but you'll feel sad. Oh, anger, is, anger is a response to unjustified, um, when, when somebody is a barrier to a goal that you have and you feel like it's unjustified, that's what makes you angry. Uh, you're, mm -hmm. standing in my, you're standing in my way. So if the rejection is somehow interfering with some goal that you have and you think it's unjustified, you're likely to be angry. Um, anxiety 
is a reaction to threats to your well-being. So if the rejection carries with it some threat to your well-being, so your partner's leaving you and they're taking all of the possessions and all of the money and you're going to be stuck out on the street, you'll probably also be anxious. So hurt is the central rejection emotion, but there can be other things happening associated with that social devaluation that can trigger these other emotions. So if when Adam went to eat his pizza, if the pizza said to him, I'm not going to be eaten by you, then away would go the good feelings. Yes. And his feelings would be hurt. And if he wasn't allowed to eat the pizza, that would be a loss. And so he'd probably feel kind of sad. <laughs> well, that's why I've you know. always been against. I've always been against talking food. I've always said it's a bad idea. Yeah. Actually, companies thought of this years ago, but talking refrigerators could actually probably help with the obesity epidemic, you know, because <laughs> all they have to do is hurt your feelings and you don't want to go yeah. back to the refrigerator, yeah. you know? Then, like, if, yeah, then you go the kill yourself and lose weight. No, you don't have to kill yourself. No, that wouldn't be a solution. <laughs> um, but if it said, like, oh, back again, then I think you wouldn't, you know, be, <laughs> you know, never mind, I'll wait. Uh, either that or you just wouldn't eat cold foods anymore. Um, yeah, it opened the pantry. Um, so how, how does your... Yeah, go, okay. uh, go ahead, Adam. I'm sorry. No, no. You were going to ask the same question, Paula. We, we both I, have the same curiosity I so here. don't want to hurt your feelings. By the way, Mark, where does that come from? Where does... Like, sometimes there's things I just... I need... I feel like I should say something to somebody about something. Um, maybe it would even help them in some ways, but I'm so worried about hurting their feelings. All right, Paula, just fucking say it. What do you want to say to me? (laughs) What do you want to say to me? Cover the duck's ears if you need to. So, so Mark, what is that? What's, what is that thing that's sort of the opposite of, you know, getting your own feelings hurt, wanting to protect hurting someone else's feelings. Is that also just so that you fit in? Uh, I think so, because we know, and, and the research shows, that when somebody hurts your feelings, it it weakens your relationship with that person, at least temporarily, if not permanently. Even if they're a good friend, when mm-hmm. they say that thing that just, oh my God, how did they say that to me? And it hurts so much, you don't trust them as much. You're a little bit afraid of maybe they're gonna do it again. So people kind of know that if I hurt your feelings, then it weakens my connection to you, even if my intentions are good. Um, and, and I think we're afraid of that. Uh, we, we don't want to be devalued ourselves by being the kind of friend who says things that hurts our friend's feelings. And that's why we often try to reassure people. We say you know, to our partner, honey, you, you know how much I love you. I would never want to hurt you. But, and then you yeah. don't yeah. the criticism. And that's always the worst, yes. that preamble. That that yeah. preamble, you know, ma'am. Put you know, get barricade yourself in. Get the couch cushions. Put them up, uh, because something awful is coming. Uh, it is. Yeah, it's as person- bad as maybe you should sit down. Yeah. Yes. Even I remember years ago, whenever anybody would say to me, "Could I talk to you?" Like if they were gonna say something good, they would just blurt it out. <laughs> but. Could I talk to you always means like, uh oh, that it it literally like even saying it now to you in this conversation, I can feel like part of my gizzards sinking (laughs) in my body in that way that that happens. Um, Wait, I was just going to ask you. So, oh, you mentioned studies. You mentioned studying this. How do you study? Do you have like a laboratory where somebody just shouts mean things at people or how do you study hurt feelings? 
Well, almost. That's the kind of lab that I actually conducted a lot of this work in. Now, now, sometimes we don't do that. Well, sometimes we just ask people to describe incidents in which their feelings were hurt, and they answer a lot of questions about the, that incident, and we get measures of their personality and try to understand, you know, what's going on. But a lot of research is done in a controlled laboratory setting where we bring participants in and do something that hurts their feelings so we can study it. So for example, um, one of the designs we use is a little bit like Survivor, where you get five strangers together and they get to know each other a little bit and then they have to vote who they want to work with in an up on an upcoming task. And so some people get feedback, that, hey, everybody wants to work with you. And other people get feedback, you know, sorry, but nobody really wants you to be in the group. You're going to have wow. to work with you. Yeah, really. We we did we designed a study that uses that how kids are picked for teams on the playground. So we did a study in which people came in and we had two team captains who were picking teams and the participants got feedback that they were the first person picked by a captain or they were the last person picked. And it hurt their wow. feelings, even though it's a meaningless situation here. They don't know yeah. who these people are. They're, they yeah. don't even know what they're going to be working on. They're never going to see them again. But it still hurts their feelings. So, yeah, that's a perfect example. Wow. Mark, let, let, let's segue to, to your technology. How does your sociometer theory work? Well, the idea is that anytime something is fundamentally important to, to human beings in general, there's going to be a mechanism that monitors what's going on. So the sociometer monitors the degree to which we're being valued by other people, the degree to which we're being accepted and, and we belong. And when we detect, even with little cues, it's like we have antennas, all of us, that, that are reading the environment for cues that we may not be fully valued by other people. Now, sometimes they're explicit about it, but a lot of times we just got that little glance or that little look of disinterest. So there's a psychological mechanism that monitors our social environment. And when it picks up cues, it induces some kind of an emotion to get our attention. It could be hurt feelings if it's a real strong cue, but it might just be social anxiety. I'm a little nervous mm -hmm. now about how I'm coming across to other people and it doesn't seem to be going well. It induces an emotion. It kind of stops us from focusing on what we're doing in order to analyze the situation. And it motivates us to take corrective action if we think it's needed. Now, sometimes we override it. Sometimes we look at it and we say, well, yeah, but I don't care what this person thinks. So the sociometer is a psychological mechanism that monitors and responds to cues involving social acceptance and rejection. Well, you know what's funny, though? The minute you started describing that, I realized, okay, I don't know if you know this, Mark, but I used to be a stand-up comic and I worked in theaters yeah. where lots of people yes. gathered. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you, ducks. Um, now I now I just have ducks in my bedroom. It's the best I can do. Um, so, uh, you know, I would be in front of a crowd sometimes and, you know, I sort of look out across the crowd and obviously, you know, playing very much to that sound, right? The sound of group laughter. And yep. it does so many things in my brain. It sets a rhythm. But then the other thing is I would look out and sometimes I would see, usually it was men, with their arms crossed and they didn't appear to be laughing. And they maybe it's the arms crossed that attracted my attention, I don't know. And what would happen is I could have a whole room full of people, the majority of which seemed to be laughing, but I could not take my attention off that person who had their arms crossed and didn't appear to be laughing. 
so you're getting all this satisfaction from these other uh, respondents, but the person who's not responding the way I want, and oftentimes, though, this is the thing, um, (laughs) I would start talking to them. I go, sir, Uh, and usually my guess would be that him and his wife maybe made a deal that if they came out to this show, uh, you know, she said, well, if you'll come to the Palo Pounce with me, I'll watch football with you on Sunday. Uh, so I would always ask, like, "Did this wasn't your idea, right, sir? Oftentimes, once I got talking to the person, it turns out that I totally misread the situation. Yep, yep. Now, Mark, I don't want your feelings to get hurt if you don't see a question in all that. because to my mind there wasn't one no but i guess i'm asking you so this response that we have that we're talking about is not necessarily accurate that's right in fact a lot of people have talked about the fact that we give what's called a worst case reading to social situations Uh, we tend to interpret them more negatively and as being more rejecting than they really are. So we focus on the people who are not responding the way we want. And the idea is that it's better to err in the direction of being a little bit oversensitive to other people's feedback. It's That's better than missing cues that maybe you're totally offending people and they're about ready to call the police on you. So you want to, you want to make sure that you don't miss any evidence that there's people who are going to be aggressive or rejecting or disapproving of you. And what about the hypersensitive people, the people who always assume that you're saying something mean about them? A lot of those people are low in self-esteem because self-esteem, one of the best, highest correlates of self-esteem is the degree to which you think that you are a generally acceptable person that other people value. (laughs) Uh, And where does that that come from? I mean, you know, nature versus nurture and all. Where does self-esteem come from? Most of it comes from your history of acceptance and rejection. It's tied into the sociometer, really. What has your history been? And if you grew up, let's say, in an abusive family or who didn't give you support and told you you were worthless, you're going to end up with a sociometer that says, you know, I, I just, I'm not an acceptable person. So then I'm really, really sensitive to every little slight, and I never interpret feedback positively. Mm-hmm. So, so most of it has to do with. Um, particularly during the first you know, 15 or 20 years of life, what was your social history? How much acceptance did you get? Huh. Interesting. Well, you know, Bob Marley said, truth is everybody is going to hurt you. You just got to find the ones worth suffering for. Stay tuned to find out more cheerful advice about pain and suffering. The cat of the week is Shishi from Bozeman, Montana. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because when Helix first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. 
That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes you know when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff it's really not that technical you know uh no matter what way you sleep they have a mattress that will support and comfort you how hard is that uh, you know when you say it that way it seems a lot simpler i take it back that's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. And we are back with Dr. Mark Leary. Uh, this is fascinating stuff, Doctor. All right. Now, Mark, you said that this has a uh, evolutionary, uh, uh, you know, purpose. Were Neanderthals emotionally uh, uh, sensitive? <laughs> you know, Neanderthals get a bad rap. I mean, they're the prototype. That is oh, true. Oh, damn it. I just hurt their feelings. I'm so yeah. sorry, you Neanderthals. Would. You know, uh, you know, I, I'm not an anthropologist or anything, but you know what I know about Neanderthals is they were much more like us than the stereotype, and we're realizing. And yes, so they were sensitive. We do know, for example, that Neanderthals were highly compassionate. We they found Neanderthal skeletons with serious injuries, like shattered leg bones, where the person had lived for years afterwards. 
which shows that somebody took care of them. This is somebody who could not offend it on their own. So there's evidence that they took care of their own. They engaged in cooperative hunting. They were members of small groups. Uh, so I think Neanderthals would have had some kind of a reaction to feeling certain. Now, there's no way to know that for sure. But you're saying that we Cro-Magnon should therefore feel really bad for not picking them for the squash team and whatnot. Absolutely true. Yeah. Now this is this is just a very <laughs> well. Yeah, you know, a very biased view. I I love it that they found a Neanderthal uh, a skeleton that had a broken leg, and the conclusion was that you know because that's a layered story that goes on top of that. Um, well, they found can, several apparently. From what I know, they found several skeletons with very bad injuries that they, the person would have had to have been taken care of. Maybe a lot of Neanderthals were just in trouble with the mob all the time. That yeah, could be too, or, yeah. Or maybe it was from hazing. <laughs> maybe in order to join the Neanderthal group and really fit in, they go, okay, but you're going to have to break your leg. And they're, oh, shit. All right, I'll do it. Um, was there any evidence? And I know you just said that you're not an anthropologist, but have you read any evidence that uh, Neanderthals played canasta one night a week? <laughs> I haven't seen that, and it may, maybe it's a more recent article than, I, than I've read. Yeah, that well, that. Let's just walk this down the evolutionary ladder a little bit, away from Neanderthals and Canasta. Looking at the animal kingdom, do you ever do that? Uh, how susceptible to social pressures and these kind of emotions are they? Where does it start? Is it just us humans? What's going on? It's really clear there are an awful lot of animals, particularly once you get to mammals and particularly once you get to primates, who react very strongly to exclusion and separation in terms of the distress that you see and how they try to patch up their relationships uh, with other members of the group. Uh, now, whether they're working hard to be accepted or they're just behaving as they behave, uh, we don't have any idea. But it's mm -hmm. clear that social separation and social exclusion is really troubling for an awful lot of mammals. Mm -hmm. You know, I have two big dogs, and uh, and my older dog, it gets pushed around by my younger dog. And one of the things that the younger dog does is, if I go to pet the older dog, that younger, younger dog has to jump up and come over and push the older dog out of the way and make sure that he doesn't get pet. And I don't. this might just be what that word is when you give emotions to other animals or things, um, which is... My older dog always looks so hurt, um, <laughs> like his feelings have been hurt, both by me and by the younger dog. Um, so, like so I Mark, to... is, is Paula's younger dog an asshole? Well, I was just getting ready to say, here's a case uh, where what you're seeing is sort of the equivalent of human jealousy, that you're trying to eliminate this third party's influence and break the connection between one person and, and another person, in this case, one person and a dog, because you think that that's going to interfere with the degree to which the person accepts you. So mm -hmm. there are animals displaying something that's very much like we display when we're jealous and try to get that third party out of the way. Yeah, Follow. I think my, my dogs are very human, except for they don't pay rent. <laughs> So you don't really have solutions to these problems. You just understand the fact that they exist. Is that right? Sort of. I'm not a clinical psychologist. I don't practice. I'm just a basic social psychological researcher. Um, but I don't see most of them as problems. I mean, uh -huh. when you're living through hurt feelings, it seems like a problem and you want it to go away. Yeah, but in right. fact, hurt, hurt feelings is often our friend, as I've said before. We have to have these emotions that motivate us to protect our our social relationships. 
So, yeah, we do have to cope with those situations and they hurt sometimes and you have to figure out how do you work through them. Um, but that's, you know, that's not a whole lot different than stepping on the nail and having to sort of tend to your foot for a week until it heals. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a necessary thing if you're going to have this protective mechanism. Mm-hmm. Now, when you have to hurt someone's feelings and tell them something that's going to hurt their feelings, is there a good way to do it? We talked a little earlier about that preamble people use. And if you can deliver it in a way where you say, but you would say something up front to assure the person that you really value your relationship with them and you think a lot of them, but you're trying to help them by providing this piece of information, it still might hurt their feelings. It really might. Because I think sometimes even when you, when it's completely valid and the person receiving the feedback says, yeah, you're absolutely right. The fact that a person is delivering it to you, sometimes you sort of feel like if you really valued your relationship with me, you wouldn't say this thing. We, for one, in, in the context of our research, we, we've collected hundreds of cases where people have described hurt feelings to us. And there was a case of a, of a guy in high school who was a soccer player, and he had a particularly horrible match. He felt so bad about it. And his dad came up and said, let me give you a piece of advice. Why don't you quit soccer? Wow. Oh. And then the dad said, and dad said, if you don't listen to me, I I think you should quit soccer. And if you don't, remind me never to come to one of your matches again. Oh, wow. (laughs) So So I think the dad thought he was being helpful, but he wasn't. Did you hire that dad to help say the hurtful things in the lab? (laughs) (laughs) Because he'd be good at that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, some of these things, you know, we would laugh and cry at the same time when you actually read some of these stories where people's feelings were. Yeah. My my father my father said to me one time, he said, um, your mother and I have tried and tried with you, but you never fail to disappoint us. Oh. Now, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, he was upset when he said it, and I I don't think it was his general tenor, uh, you know, that if I look back on my father, I don't go, well, that's the kind of shitty things he always said. It it was a little bit out of character. It it just wasn't a (laughs) well-chosen No. You were just uh, wishing for the day when he would say to you, Paula, Paula Poundstone, today you failed to disappoint us. No, that 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 part never came. Uh, honestly, I, I I I didn't even realize. I think until he pointed it out that they had tried and tried. <laughs> uh, so it was it was helpful. Uh, you know what I just thought of is um, is there a, a biochemical relationship between embarrassment and hurt feelings? Embarrassment is another one of those social emotions that's there to help protect our social relationships. So why, why do we get a red face? Uh, blushing is a fascinating topic. We did research on that, too, about the same time, because all of these emotions, social anxiety and embarrassment and guilt and hurt feelings, are all tied into our concerns about our social connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the red face appears to be a signal that I am really sorry for whatever it, I just did that embarrassed myself. Because you can't fake it. I can say, well, I'm really sorry, and I didn't mean to do it. But the red face is one of those cues that you just can't fake. And it's a way to to show people you're being truthful, that you're sorry for whatever embarrassing thing you just did. And there's research showing that when people blush, onlookers are much more likely to forgive them. 
because it is a signal that, in fact, I really do wow. feel bad about this. What kind of research, like what, what kind of experiment is set up that shows that? Oh, people watch videos of people doing embarrassing things and the videos are manipulated so that the person seems to blush or not blush. And then you rate the person. How nice are they? Do you think they're really sorry for what they just did or said? And if they appear to blush, holding everything else equal, people do, are more forgiving of embarrassing events. Boy, the, yeah, Mark, would this statement be true, do you think, uh, and scientific? The brain is fucking weird. Absolutely true. <laughs> you can use that as a book title if you want, Mark. I don't think Paul is going to use that it. That is a great title. I like it. <laughs> But Mark, how many how many books did you write? Well, uh, he said fourteen, but some of those are edited books where I compiled chapters written by other people. But uh, there, there's fourteen written or authored wow. scholarly scholarly books in my field. Uh huh. Like, well, uh, give me give me a title. Interpersonal rejection, social Ooh. anxiety, the curse of the self. Yeah, boy, the curse of the self. If they make that into a movie, I should star in it. <laughs> well, thanks to Dr. Leary, we've learned a lot about the desire for acceptance and the pain of rejection. And now we're going to take that information and run it through the old pounce Paula? Hey, Mark, if I can get a little background music, I'll tell you what I figured out from this. Ah, perfect. Well... I was right about one thing. I've always said we are really just big bags of chemicals making our way through the world. Hurt feelings are a chemical reaction in your brain which evolved as a survival technique to keep us under the protection of the group. That's it? How come our huge forehead evolved away? Our kids don't even all grow wisdom teeth anymore because of evolution, but a stranger on Twitter Saying they don't think French Trump is funny can still be a gut punch to me. When having dinner with my daughter at a restaurant in Santa Monica once, I came out of the restroom with a piece of toilet paper trailing from the back of my pants to the floor. It was so embarrassing, it actually gives me physical pain to remember it. Should that have threatened my survival by ostracizing me from the pack? If we are part of a group that won't wear masks or consider the lessons of science, doesn't that threaten our survival more than fitting into that same group? Evolution, brains, I really like you. I don't want to hurt your feelings, so don't take this the wrong way. But your pants don't go with your shirt, and your hair looks like shit. <laughs> Well, among your many books, Mark, you left out 2019's Self-Presentation, Impression Management, and Interpersonal Behavior by yes. Dr. Mark Leary. And I would just want to say thank you so much for coming down to our show here. It's been fun. Thanks, Thanks so Mark. much. Thank you so much. Stay, stay safe there in North Carolina. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Mark. Bye-bye. Mark, that was a great time. Goodbye. Appreciate it. Thank you. Ah, He was a great guest. He was a great guest. Yeah. I miss you know him already. Yeah, I, I do too. You know what's funny is that because of the... Um... I'm still on here. Do you want me to leave? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can hang if you need. 
Does anybody embarrassed besides me? I want to know what do you say. I want to know what do you say when somebody hurts your feelings? What do you say? What do I say? Yeah. Usually nothing. You just kind of suck it up and move on. We 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 ask people in one study. You know, did you tell the person who hurt your feelings? And a lot of people do. They express it in one way or another. It, there's one exception. Men don't tell other men that they hurt their feelings. Yeah. You know why, Mark? Uh, well, because it's not a manly thing to no, do. No, because men are idiots. And I hope that didn't hurt your feelings. <laughs> That'll be the next book after. Um, I told a total stranger at the dog park a few weeks ago that she spoke to me in a way that hurt my feelings. And I, and I think I thought when I said it that somehow I would, you know, feel better. And and no, I only felt embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> it was just it was just a spiral. And you think it's going to be corrective, and it just wasn't correct. No, it really yeah. wasn't. And uh, and uh, you know, I wasn't going to be in relationship with that person. You know, so there was really no reason for me to care one way or the other about what they said. But I cannot get it out of my head. But there's an evolved reason for that because back in the day, everybody that you lived with in your clan, you cared about what they thought, and you didn't run into zillions of strangers every day like we do today. So everybody mattered. Yeah. Plus, she had a golden doodle. <laughs> oh, come on, poodle mixes are great. <laughs> she was. She seemed that to hurts feel my the, feelings. The fact that she had a golden doodle allowed her to do anything she wanted. Uh, well, I that think it does. That troubled me. It's a golden doodle, she said. Uh, <laughs> bye, bye, everybody. I'll click away now. Uh, bye, bye, Mark. Mark. Bye. Taking up enough of your time. <laughs> bye. Bye, bye. Coming up. Nobody's tried to describe our show. Tony Nita Hull has listener show descriptions. Apparently, I keep the peas passing in the clockwise direction. Whatever that means, that's coming up after this. French President Trump here to tell you that I have a mini podcast. I am speaking in the whisper because I don't want Ivanka to find me. She's driving me crazy. Papa, can we sue someone today? <laughs> Papa, can we go to the church with another upside down barbell? Papa, can I have more money for makeup? My skin is getting very close to the surface. Here she comes. Quick, listen. I have a mini podcast, the weekly French Trump press conference. I take questions from the press. It drops on Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time and 5 p.m. East Coast time. Papa, where are you? Can we tear gas more peaceful protesters? I'm so bored, Papa. Fun fact, the word strengths, S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-S, is the longest word in the English language with only one vowel. The longest word in the English language with only one consonant is auga. <laughs> okay, now, before we move forward, um, Paula, I'm told that uh, your manager... Our producer, Bonnie Burns, 
um, was somewhat inspired by our interview with Dr. Mark Leary and wanted to say something. Bonnie, what, what, do, you, what do you have to get off your chest here? Well, no, I was just thinking when Dr. Leary was on, but I didn't want to interrupt your interview. Well, that's um, a good instinct. Well, <laughs> so I had, a, I had a client, and he was in an argument with his mom, and she said, well, you look like Hitler. Wait, what? You know, that would have been a good time for him to fire back because he mixes it with love. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. I should have thought of a... Yeah. Despite how much yeah. the ducks love that, that does not strike me as a zinger. Yeah. No, I had Oh, the like, ducks love know, that. That was one of the ultimate mean things I thought, you know, somebody conjured up to say. And then here was a really hurtful thing that happened to me. So I'm at a restaurant with my parents that came. I lived in L.A. They came from Seattle to visit. We're out for dinner. And my dad goes, you know, now that you lost weight, it makes you look like you got buck teeth. (laughs) He said that to you? He did. Right across the table. Wow. Um, well, it's better than under the table. Now, well, what was Bonnie? Bonnie, come under here a second. Now yeah, that you. No. <laughs> so, why were they visiting? Well, you know, hey, there's a good point. They'd come down to see me. <laughs> All right. I mean, these are good stories, Bonnie. It feels a little bit like, uh, like the message that you took away from Dr. Mark Leary's interview is that. This podcast is a good place to settle old scores. No, no. But unfortunately, that just reminds me of when I went home to see Uh them for my little brother's wedding. And my dad, you know, I'm in the bridesmaid dress or whatever. He's like in the tuxedo. And I'm talking to him. And he goes, "Uh, you've got bad breath. Wow. (laughs) That's something. Okay, why am I an overachiever? It sounds like your dad <laughs> didn't really have a, a, a good edit lever, you know? No. Yeah. The candy yeah. man can. Yeah, that's... Okay, you have to say it... With contempt. All right. I have to no. say it just right. So he goes, so, no. All right, so say this was the conversation, okay? Say your dad goes, oh, you've got bad breath. You're supposed to go, sprinkle it with dew, dad. See, you got to say it more aggressively. <laughs> You know what? I think it was worse. So I'll be my dad, you be me. Okay. okay. Your breath stinks. <laughs> well, sprinkle it with dew, Dad. See, like yeah. that. There has to be more. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd have gone with. I'd have gone with. Cover it in chocolate and a miracle or two, Dad. Because <laughs> <laughs> he mixes it with love, Dad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you got the right. You didn't get the right. The world tastes good because the candy man thinks it should, Dad. <laughs> I guess you're saying you wouldn't like bad breath. <laughs> no. Just enjoying Paula's riff, really. That was, no, that was what Bonnie's therapist told her. It was a good response. Oh, my God. You know, when I think... That you went to therapy to get advice like saying, I guess you're saying you wouldn't like to have bad breath. When I think that you paid somebody like 150 bucks an hour for that kind of advice, and I could have given you my weaponizing the candy man idea. Uh, it would have fixed for half everything. For the price. For half yeah. the price. I would have given yeah. it to you for 75 
No doubt. All right, ducks, back up. Ducks, back up. Oh, my God. Sorry, Paula. The whole weaponize the, the Candyman lyrics thing, the ducks are loving it. You found your audience as far as that's concerned. Uh, now, Paula, yeah. you've been... You've one of the things you've been struggling with, besides not having an audience, is that you've been struggling to describe our show in the various interviews that you do. Yeah, you know, I just there's something about the way that they'll go. Oh, you have a podcast? Like, what kind of podcast? And I'll go, well, you know, it's a comedy podcast, and right. um, you know, my partner Adam uh, is on every show, and uh, right, and you can do better people. with that. Yeah. yeah, we interview people and and you know we make jokes. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's lame. pretty much that's lame. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. So I've been crying out to the listeners for 110 shows now. Yeah, and they've been so good that we've actually, if you go to paulapoundstone.com, the banner up there, the ever changing banner up there, are some of our listeners' pithy descriptions of our podcast. Yeah, including there's a there's a Tom Hanks uh, description on there. Oh yeah, uh, not a description of Tom Hanks. Um, no, but a, no, a he's easy to describe. He's American sweetheart. Yeah, he is. Um, no, but a description by Tom Hanks of our podcast is up there, and uh, so we're gonna you know we're gonna take some of these really great uh, show descriptions that we're getting, and we're gonna put them up uh, on the on the homepage there uh, where it rotates in and out. Again, you can see why I don't describe things very well. Um, we used to pick the winning show description, and Tony Anita Hall would send them a bar of hotel soap, autographed bar of hotel soap. Um, but now we have these wonderful nobodies. Tony, what was their names again? Joe and Kathy. Joe and Kathy sent us the other day these Thomas Coin coins, um, which are wooden coins with an engraving on each side. Uh, one of the sides uh, is engraved a bear to commemorate the fact that Thomas Coin was supposed to have been on maybe our third show. He was a survivalist, and we we're going to interview him about what to do if you encounter a bear, and he never showed up. And so... Uh, We've been looking for him ever since. Uh, and so uh, what we've been having people do is um, when they uh, go someplace where they, where they don't find him, we have them put on an interactive map on our uh, Facebook page, you know, where it was they didn't find him so that we right. can narrow down where he is. And it's been very effective so far. But so these guys had the idea, and I think it's a brilliant one and will help with this manhunt, um, uh, uh, which is when you go someplace where Thomas Coin is not, you put that coin there so people can know you already looked. That's brilliant. That is just brilliant. Right. And I don't uh, think it's that brilliant because like Thomas Coin could at a later moment walk over there and stand directly over that coin. There's nothing to stop that from happening. Hmm. I don't think that'll happen. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> so we're gonna give. The, uh, we're going to give for these really terrific show descriptions. Tony Anita Hall will be sending you a Thomas Coyne coin. That's C-O-Y-N-E-C-O-I-N. Wow. Tony Anita Hall, step on up to the microphone and tell us about these descriptions. Thanks, y'all. Uh, okay, so the first description is from a Jesse Rhodes Shock jock radio minus the misogyny. Except for Mike Boom Boom Bonifit. He's what you'd expect. 
It's Jesse. Oh, that's, that's good. A, I do, do we think of ourselves as shock jocks, by the way? My, minus the misogyny? I don't know what you'd have left, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think what uh, he's saying but, is that we, we do say shocking things, and we do have fun yelling at each other and stuff like that. So I, I and we have characters dropping in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Jesse doesn't okay. get a point. All right. Um, so All moving right. on. It's not uh, easy listening, that's for sure. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, Tony. Go okay. ahead. Okay. No, uh, Eric Wagner wrote, it's not going to save democracy, but it'll get your cat high. Oh, now that's deep. <laughs> right on. That's a reference to the uh, Pounce on Pussy Pillows, which I think Paula will be pushing later in the broadcast. Yeah, yeah. My cats, by the way, who are uh, stalwarts of democracy. Um, okay, next. This is my favorite, um, not to show bias. Uh, it's from Bondi, who is an 11-year-old nobody, who wrote, The Best Possible Waste of Time. Oh, that's wow. great. That is that great. That is Thank right you, Bondi. on Bondi. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm I hope Bondi is named for Bondi Beach in Australia. Uh, I didn't know there was a Bondi Beach in Australia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Crystal blue waters. Huh. That's good. It's better than being named Rahibath, which is a beach. Rahibath? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rahibath. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Bondi rolls off the tongue a little bit easier. I have to say that Bondi is very insightful, particularly, and I and I mean no disrespect by this, but particularly for an eleven-year-old, very Oof. very insightful to have discovered that that the show is a waste of time, but you know, uh, can also be at the top of that heap. Um, if you're an eleven-year-old who's not named Bondi who's listening to us, and you were just shamed by Paula Poundstone, feel free to write in. <laughs> um, all right, and. Have you got more, Tony? I've got one more from Stephanie in mm. Austin. It's a little long, but it, it, I like it. Uh, a virtual front porch family reunion where eccentric but lovable Aunt Paula welcomes guests and always present Uncle Adam keeps the peas passing in the clockwise direction. Wow. Oh, That boy. is nice. Yeah. That's great. St Stephanie from Austin, I, I hope, you know, I back, well, maybe if I ever get to do my job again. You know, I used to have this job where I was on stage in front of, you know, large crowds that gathered. and There used uh, to be a I name just, for that. Yeah, yeah, it's from Old English now. But um, uh, I hope that the next time, should I ever get to do that again, Stephanie from Austin, please come up and say hello when I'm in Austin. That is a great description. Thank you. Yeah, that is, that is a really good one. Now, now they're all going to win, Paula, right? But one of these descriptions, are you going to choose one? Is, is not one... like the other? Is that what you're... Yes. Um, was one of these is not one? really the same. Um, no, I think they should each get a coin because they got picked. Right? Well, plus the other thing is, yes, Tony selected these from a highly competitive group of descriptions. But keep in mind the other thing. If we only send out one coin, Adam, we're never going to find Thomas Coin. So I think in the interest <laughs> of the Thomas Coin hunt, we need to, you know, s step our game up a little bit here. Um, by, by all means, Paula, we're going to need, um, by my just back of an envelope calculation, 
several billion of these to cover the land. So, so yes, by all means, let's send out that first batch of Thomas Coin coins. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good idea. Um, you know what? The, the, put that down. Put, put that down. Oh, one of the ducks. It's playing my glockenspiel. Yeah. Don't, oh man, now there's duck spit on my mallet. Now, Paula, I have to say something about these ducks. If, yeah. if, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, um, you had a detective visit your house about the, the murder of our intern, Doug. Yes. And, and that was a tense moment. It wasn't fun for any of us. And of course, we all miss Doug a lot. Um, it strikes me that that many ducks in your house walking on everything would erase just about every fingerprint on the premises. Doug was neither murdered in my home nor discovered here. I'm just saying, webbed feet all over a carpet, shedding DNA and feathers. It's just, it's just, I don't know. It just doesn't this sit really was, right this with is me. Not the mur- this is not a crime scene here at my house. This is a, a duck melee. Uh, this is not, you, you're told, you know what? You are totally, you're, you're obscuring what's going on. That's not what's happening. It isn't? Because it, no. it strikes me that nobody knows where your dog Mo was, the pod puppy, the day Doug was murdered. I don't remember. I can, well, I can, I think she probably was out back barking at people in the alley. That's what she likes well, to do. Well, you think so, but then the next thing you know, she's bringing ducks in the house to stamp all over fingerprints. Mm-hmm. I no, you are totally you you this is why you are not a detective. This is not I'm how not. you go about solving a crime. You uh, you you're totally right. You're totally right. I just want to I I just wanted to bring it up because a lot of our, our listeners are very concerned because we don't seem to be really getting any closer to an answer to what happened to our intern Doug. And I want to point out that a lot of nobodies have bravely volunteered for that intern position and I encourage them to keep doing so. Yeah, that and, and that is brave, given that we're not sure what happened to Doug. Now, if this were a Perry Mason episode, Bonnie would say there's only five choices uh, as to who the the murderer could be. Uh, five. I don't even think it's usually five. Um, on Mason, <laughs> well, but, in, uh, yeah, in this right. case, on our on our podcast, it's five. But there are some dark horses out there. I mean that that Land Romo doesn't say a lot. You know, uh, towards the end yeah. of towards the end of any good um, uh, crime series, uh, like right, any yeah. good crime series, um, towards the last season, there's an episode where the detective themselves uh, is under suspicion. Oh well, that would be Detective Delano from the LAPD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could have been him. Could have been yeah, him. Or been. His... Look, it could have been anybody, really, right? Yeah. Well, it could have been anybody, but a copy of your book uh, lay near him, a bloodied copy of your book that happened to fit comfortably into the dent in Doug's head. Yeah, given, but I, I don't see why, I, why, if it were me, why I would beat him to death with a copy of my own book. Well, I certainly wouldn't have, because you know what? He used to prepare the snacks 
There's no way I'm going to eliminate somebody who prepared the snacks. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good argument. Look, look, look. Uh, look, we're no closer, but uh, hey, nobodies, if you have any clues uh, or you want to volunteer to be an intern, feel free to keep writing into us. That's uh, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And, you know, Paula, we've talked about the human desire for acceptance and how devastating it is to our feelings when we're rejected. So I hope our listeners won't reject the Paula Poundstone product line. Oh, I hope not. That's right. My store doesn't take that much time to check out. It's at PaulaPoundstone.com. You can get the Poundstone Pussy Pillows, which are a 4 by 5 pillow full of fresh catnip with a cat joke on one side. And on the other side, uh, I will happily autograph it to your cat. And when you fill out the, the order form online, and I'm so sorry to have you fill out anything online, but when you fill out the order form, um, there's a space to put the name of your cat, and I'm going to autograph it for you. Um, and I'm doing cameo videos now, which are uh, sort of video messages that um, I will send to the friend or relative of your choice. That's at cameo.com slash Paula P33. Cameo.com slash Paula P33. And I have another one tonight, Paula. The Starburn Sports Sunday Simulcast. What's that? Now, Paula, you know my friend, the comedian Jeff Cesario. I love Jeff Cesario. He's one of the best. And Jeff and I have started doing this thing where on Sunday nights, you can watch Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN, but you turn down the sound... And listen to expert commentary by famous comedian Jeff Cesario and me, Adam Felber, doing the color commentary. Wow, that sounds like fun. You tune into ESPN, but you turn the sound down. Um, That's every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And then you navigate your phone or computer to the Starburns audio channel on YouTube or Facebook. We'll be right there. You can join me, Jeff, and special guest commentators like the Sklar Brothers or Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me's Alonzo Bowden or who knows, maybe even Paula Poundstone, some coming up game, to get the audio commentary for the game as you watch it. That sounds great. I, I'm, you know, I have an idea for a very similar thing where people put on our podcast, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, but they turn the volume down and they watch Perry Mason. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> well, that could that really could, improve our ratings. That could yeah. be, that could be a lot of fun. Just, that seems very promising. Yeah. Something, it's just something to do. Don't do it on Sunday night, though, because on Sunday night, you're, you're listening to the Starburns Sports Simulcast uh, with The Starburns Sports Jeff Simulcast Cesario. with Jeff Cesario. Yes, and Adam Felber. Absolutely. Now, nobodies, we want to hear from you. If you want to enter our theme song contest or send us one of those descriptions you just heard or just drop us a line, send it to us at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com. Once again, nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com. You can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're all over the place. And check out our Facebook page at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Mark Leary, and thanks to our house band, Mark DeFlorio. Nobody Mark DeFlorio. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. 
Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Starburns production by Land Romo, not officially a suspect. Thanks to our former intern, Doug, for all that you done did. Transcription <laughs> services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? It's like a family dinner, Paula. Our show is like a family dinner. I love that. No, it's like a front porch family reunion. I absolutely love that. Um, yeah, you know what I didn't like about it? What? Uh, with me passing the peas in the counterclockwise direction or whatever? I'm allergic to green peas. I don't think that's the point. Yeah, it, but it is to me. Yeah. Well, you know what, Adam? Yeah. Cover it with chocolate and a miracle or two. Ouch! Yeah, yeah. See how tough you are without your duck friends backing you up, Paula. You know what, Adam? Soak it in the sun and make a groovy lemon pie. What are you... Ducks, that's not even funny. That doesn't even make... What's the matter with you, ducks? No, that's a line from the... They know the lyrics to the Candyman. These are ducks, Adam. These are musical ducks. <laughs> Look, I get it. I just question their taste, that's all. Wrap it in a sigh, Adam. Oof. Starbanks Avenue, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Went. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Went. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.